Hey peeps, if you wake up every day and head straight to the scroll, then I'm totally not surprised you run out of time to do the things you love. What if I told you that could all change in one week? Check out my new online course, Morning Routine Glory, and learn how to go from hitting the snooze to completing all your to-dos. Go to chrismcpeak.com forward slash morning glory and get signed up today. Now let's check out today's amazing episode of Elevate Your Eight. <sighs> You're listening to the Elevate Your 8 podcast, the easily digestible lifestyle show that empowers you to live your happiest, most productive life so you can achieve time freedom. Productivity is just a matter of simple mathematics and prioritization. Honor your work-life balance by working only eight hours a day. Honor your health and wellness by sleeping eight hours every night. Once you figure that out, the rest is gravy, or Jolly Ranchers if ever you prefer. If you're ready for a healthy helping of life-changing wisdom with a side of quirkiness, you're in the right place. Here's your host, dairy-free, karaoke-crazy, future 200 breaststroke national champion, Chris McPeak. Okay, everybody, welcome back to the Elevate Your 8 podcast. I'm your host, Chris McPeak, and today we're going to talk about sleep. It's been a while since we conquered this on the show, and I have a sleep expert with us. I'm really excited to chat today with Molly McLaughlin. How are you on this fine Friday? I'm doing great. Happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me. No, I'm excited that you are out there in the podcast atmosphere to talk about sleep. Um, so for those of you who may have forgotten, my the Elevate Your Eight philosophy has to do with prioritization and mathematics. So we honor our work-life balance and we work only eight hours a day. We honor our wellness and we sleep eight hours every night. And the other eight is what we try to elevate. So it helps for us to talk about sleep on the show. And it's great that we have Molly here today to, um, to give us some more tips and hints and all things that we can learn to make our sleep more effective and better and help us elevate all of our eights. So Molly, what got you started on this quest to learn more about the world of sleep? Great question. And also amazing concept with the eights. That's such a cool, uh, oh, outlook you. or framework. Really cool. Uh, so for me, the, uh, company sleeping skill was born out of my own problem, uh, where for many, many years, I, um, I really just thought of myself as a not great sleeper essentially, okay. but I didn't think it was enough of a problem to warrant to doing much about it, honestly. So for, uh, it was, it was kind of that way since I was little teenager going to my twenties and beyond. Um, and it kind of got more exaggerated. I had a lot of labels. I would say, you know, I'm a night owl. I'm, right. uh, I'm a, one of those short sleepers. I, <laughs> um, uh, I'm an insomniac, uh, all of these sort of things that I started, um, putting on myself as to making sense of it. And, uh, but ultimately would be justifying and rationalizing it for quite some time. And then, uh, what ended up happening was as I, you know, was an entrepreneur in the middle of Manhattan, kind of burning the candle at both ends, uh, continue to go to bed later and later, there'd be times when like the sun is rising and I'm going to sleep. Oh, and wow. so that's really just, and, but it's still like, oh, this is not a problem. I can make my own schedule. So, you know, who cares? Um, not connecting as I would get more, I had more, uh, instances of getting sick, 
um, more anxiety, all of these things. I wasn't quite making that connection that uh, sleep had a role in it until I went through my first, for me, a period of insomnia, um, which was while we were traveling, my boyfriend and I were traveling internationally. And uh, so it was in totally different, you know, countries and yeah. just could not sleep. And, um, and at that time, it was just a really kind of rock bottom for me personally. And of course it didn't come out of a vacuum. There's just tons of ways I was managing life. There was no eight system or anything as far as <laughs> right. taking care of yourself. And, um, and it was just sort of like survival and, and that's how it really manifested if it's like something has really got to change. Um, and, but what was concerning for me is when I went to the doctors in Croatia with Google translate, couldn't even speak the language they, um, gave, you know, sleeping pills. So they gave, uh, Ambien. And in that moment, it was kind of like, okay, I, 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 what's the plan here? Is this something that I'm supposed to be taking for the rest of my life, which sounds pretty concerning that I would need to take something, uh, to do something so natural. And yeah. so it began to, um, put the, the responsibility onto myself of if I really do want to change this, I need to get up under this. So that's where it began uh, just some really obsessive understanding around sleep, circadian rhythms, um, and really understanding that so much of what I thought I knew uh, wasn't, certainly I wasn't practicing and so many other people that I knew weren't aware of so many of these really interesting things. So now flash forward, now that my sleep is you know, quantifiably, since I do so much you know, measuring with it, um, you know, in a really solid and consistent place more than I'd ever had my whole life. Uh, I just, I know the power of how much it can change people's lives. And that's where, you know, sleep as a skill has come out of. Yeah. So, um, where did you, I guess, create the concept of sleep as a skill? I I've never heard it expressed that way before. And I, and I love that mentality. So, um, kind of what, what did you learn? What did you study that, that put you in the direction of like, yeah, this is totally the way I feel about sleep. Yeah. So, um, really what I discovered, uh, from a perspective of, uh, to, to grasp to, for, for the concept to make sense, almost if you were to go back in time, you know, hunter gatherer days, and you were to try to yeah. make this claim that sleep is a skill would probably be met with, you know, um, <laughs> weird faces or, you know, cause it was just so much more of an innate, uh, process and we were so connected to the rhythms of nature. Uh, so our circadian rhythm, and that's a lot of the work we do at sleep is a skill is strengthening your circadian rhythm. Cause I certainly didn't realize that it, really does exist on a spectrum. It can either be weak or strong. Okay. And for much, much of us on the West, um, certainly it often is a bit weaker. And so if you were to go back then it wouldn't really fit, but basically I'm making this argument that pretty much post Edison in a lot of ways, um, since the ability for us to augment our days, you know, 24 seven, uh, in ways that really we couldn't quite do in the past. So there might've been, you know, if you're really wealthy, maybe you had a lot of candles, if you had some <laughs> lanterns, but it was expensive and messy and, um, problematic and very still out like counterculture and outside of the bell curve to stay up to in very late hours. Um, and for much of history, just, it just didn't happen. Um, for the most part, unless there was some sort of, you know, battle or something was happening. Uh, so to extend our days and nights into such a way that now we experience the problem is from a Darwinian perspective, we just have not evolved to make that workable for us. Um, and now it's causing a whole cascade of problems from, and, and that's what it's, I think is so exciting is that really recently, um, for the mass audience, there's so much information coming out from chronobiology and circadian rhythm optimization of understanding that 
this is something that we have a say in and oh no, look at all the things that get thrown off when we are operating outside of that rhythm. Yeah. Uh, and so that's really where the skill part comes in because it, it takes a lot to then um, operate within kind of a maladaptive framework that we've all been living in of how to then change it. So for folks that don't completely recognize the term circadian rhythm, I mean, I, I can say I know that it has something to do with sleep, but I, I couldn't tell you any more than that. So what uh, when we're talking about the circadian rhythm, what are you actually referring to? Sure. Great. Uh, yeah. So it's about a 24 hour rhythm that uh, as human beings, we're diurnal creatures, meaning that we're meant to be active during the day and at rest at night. Uh, so during that 24 hour period, um, there is the, the workability of how um, our hormones are set up to produce kind of wake activating hormones versus sleep promoting hormones. And are those kind of consistently firing at the right times? And okay. if it's a weaker spectrum, if we're existing on that weaker side of the spectrum, then often, um, it's not so ingrained that you don't get tired at the exact same time every night. You're not waking up at around the same time without an alarm, things yeah. like that. Yeah. So when you talk about sleep hormones, that's where things like, is it cortisol or, or melatonin yes. or I don't, I don't know what all the, all the different ones are. Yes. So there's, um, a lot of hormones that get thrown off when we are not, um, sleeping on the same way or if we're experiencing sleep deprivation or very inconsistent sleep or shift work. That's why shift work has been labeled as a possible carcinogenic yeah, you know, by the World yeah. health organization. So it's a real problem, but um, you know, the most immediate sleep related hormones, uh, being or direct being cortisol in the morning and melatonin at night. Uh, for some of us, we might get those kind of, uh, off kilter, and then we might be having high cortisol going into the evening. And then obviously that makes it more challenging to kind of rest off and go to sleep, uh, or the melatonin is not, uh, producing at the same or, uh, secreting at the same level that we would want to have it to have not only the ability to fall asleep, but also stay asleep throughout the whole night. So uh, those two certainly are very important. And then uh, there's all kinds of other things that get thrown out of whack as it relates to even glucose. If we're concerned about our you know, waistline, um, leptin, ghrelin, yeah. all of these other things that start going awry when we get off of that pattern. Interesting. Okay. Um, I, uh, I went to see a holistic doctor back in January of this year and we did a, a thousand different tests and we did, um, a hormone test where I had to swab my spit like six times a day or something. Yes. And, uh, and she sent me back a report and I don't remember exactly what, it, what it alluded to, but it sounded like I was a in adrenal fatigue and B she had me take cortisol, like right before bed. So I'm assuming that that was to, level that stuff out so I could sleep better and have more energy in the morning. Does that make sense? Yeah. So, um, as far as cortisol, so, uh, you know, the architecture of our sleep is that in the first half, um, for the most, for most people, the first half of the night is largely deep sleep. And the second half of the night is largely REM sleep. And we're on that second half as we're going into kind of early morning hours is when we're starting to then typically develop that cortisol. Um, if people have been kind of like flatlining cortisol, which can right. really be a problem, even though cortisol tends to get a bad rap, we want to have it, um, right. at the same time. So, uh, but just, you know, we want to have it at the right times. And so depending on, um, you know, the, the release of that one, and she might've had a whole theory around that. Uh, but basically you want to have 
that cortisol rising in those early morning hours and then waking up, it's like natural coffee essentially. And then it's, it gives you all that money to uh, money. Oh my gosh. It gives you all that energy <laughs> and money probably uh, to get through the day, you know, in the right way that will really make sense, you know, for you. Um, and so those, those hormones are really important. D the Dutch test is a popular one that people will often do. Um, it sounds like it might been kind of similar. That one is uh, urine based, but Okay. Different ways where you can find your levels of cortisol and melatonin throughout the day. So people will often go to that when they're having difficulty sleeping. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a cool thing to participate in. I enjoyed the process. <laughs> um, okay. So let's do a sleep speed round. I'll throw out some factors or concerns, and then you tell us what you know or think about them um, and, and how it might uh, pertain to us improving our sleep. So number one is mobile phones. Oh yeah. Uh, so, you know, I think it's almost like that common sense realm where we, we know not to have them. We know that we shouldn't have them. And yet somehow we almost always have them still lurking in our space as we're still, you know, in that wind down period or bringing them into bed. Um, so what, what people have, uh, brought about is one concerns about how it's amping up our brain states, getting us more excited, um, mm -hmm. or just, you know, kind of those dopamine hits of the notifications and all those things that are happening. Um, so there's the content, but there's also the light and to the light is a big concern, uh, from a circadian perspective, because the light is the, the number one, most important element for, uh, strengthening that circadian rhythm. So okay. if you can wear, if, you know, if you're still fighting to keep around the mobile phone for at least a portion of your evening, then, um, putting it on red mode. So if you have an iPhone, you can, there's settings where you can get in there. You can Google it, um, to get uh, red filter on there. If you have an mm -hmm. Android, you can put twilight on, um, but you can also do blue blockers, but they have to be like Amber or red, um, to cut oh. out the blue. Yeah. So not the clear ones, unfortunately, even though they look much better. Uh, but so doing that to kind of block at least the light problem, because that light also gets us really, ex it's a kind of excitatory response. Okay. Uh, what about alcohol? Mm. Fortunately, it's like, I've tried just about every which way to make it work. <laughs> you know, I'm Molly <laughs> McLaughlin born on St. Patrick's day. And I oh got my the, gosh, the, <laughs> the Irish isms and, you know, I want to be able to have whatever, you know, a glass of wine, a drink and whatever. Nah, every which way I try it with different trackers. It almost always comes up. Um, so if you're, so, and what I mean is that my, uh, body temperature goes up, my heart rate goes up, my HRV goes down. Um, my, respiratory rate will go up. So all those things just make it so that when you wake up the next day, you just, the quality of that sleep was not sufficient, um, or not, uh, you know, in alignment with what you might get accustomed to. Right. Uh, so, so with that, uh, the, the best hack I found is just to drink earlier if you're going to drink and certainly in moderation. Uh, so, you know, boozy brunches, maybe a happy hour or something along those lines. Uh, but unfortunately, yeah, anything later, even I'm talking like a glass of wine will still show up. It's wild. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Um, so you mentioned temperature. So that would, that was, that's the next one I wanted to ask about is temperature. Yes. Temperature is second on the rung of, you know, one of the most important, um, elements to impact our circadian rhythm and temperature 
what you want, similar to like that same nice ebb and flow of cortisol flowing into melatonin throughout the day. You want your temperature to flow nicely of when you're waking up for it to get uh, increasingly warmer, 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 get to some of your peak states throughout the day. And then to be, you know, kind of guiding down into the evening. Um, and then that's when you get some of your best sleep is when it's in a nice, cool environment. Mm -hmm. Um, so the temperature could just be an easy one for people to often improve, just improve, uh, lowering that ambient temperature during the day, but also not forgetting, uh, or sorry, lowering the ambient temperature in the evening. And then during the day, making sure you have as much, um, heat essentially as possible. So, cause in the past we would have been outside living amongst, you know, the sun and yeah. the sun would have naturally warmed it up and you wouldn't have to think about it. But since we're indoors so often, then it's something that we might want to mon um, manually modulate. So a cooler house at night is better than like super air conditioning during the day. Mm -hmm. If you're going exactly. to honor your circadian rhythm. Interesting. Exactly. Okay. Yep. And you're exercising, you're, you know, eating your biggest meals. Cause that will make you hot too. Um, and then you're really aiming to have like very small, uh, dinner, uh, quantity so that the dinner doesn't also heat you up, um, which is an interesting one with, you know, I have people wearing glucose monitors and we'll see. Yeah. And they have those big glucose spikes, uh, along with, you know, different other trackers, we can see the temperature of their body going up and they have big meals before bed. So, so working out at night is not as, um, beneficial to your circadian rhythm as it would be working out in the morning or in the middle of the day. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Um, so yeah, wanting to prioritize that for during the daytime. Um, and then if you do have some sort of instance where some things happen and you have gotten that heart rate up, um, in the evening, you can do kind of hacks in the, you know, like um, getting a cooler shower. So take uh -huh. a, a hot shower, but end with a little bit of cooling so that you can help bring down the body temperature a bit. Cool. Okay. So I just started experiencing the night sweats in the last few nights. Um, I, and I, I feel like I'm over the, the lady hump of menopause, but, um, I've never had night sweats before. So I was kind of like, okay, what's going on with that? Oh, well, absolutely. Those are a big deal and so challenging for women. Um, and even before going through menstruation, um, going through menopause, then, uh, so many women, especially, you know, going through just like the monthly, their monthly cycle and then yeah. going to perimenopause every, those 10 days during luteal, they'll experience their body temperature going up on average, um, you know, like a, a decent amount during those average 10 days. Uh, and then certainly when going through menopause, um, and post-menopause, so issues with thermoregulation. So, um, we do have, I definitely suggest for people the chili pad, um, can be really, really helpful. Uh, you know, there's also the bed jet, um, that one didn't work quite so well for me, but I know other people do enjoy it. Um, but I really, really find that, um, for so many people, the chili pad along with, if they're tracking, they often can see their numbers improve on their sleep stats too. Okay. So I do wear a Fitbit, but it doesn't have the heart rate monitor on it. So I'm not going to get as, as a good amount of data without that monitor, right? Yeah. So, um, the ideally, so I have everyone wearing the aura ring spelled yeah. O U R A. Yeah. Uh -huh. Um, and I have no affiliation, just, you know, the like that it makes it very easy for people to get connected to their sleep, but also particularly what, um, it shows up very nicely behaviors on the ring from a perspective of looking at, um, 
say if you do drink or eat late or get a lot of blue light or any of that sort of stuff, it will often really show up on the results of the body temperature, respiratory rate, uh, HRV, heart rate, all those things. We can get a decent um, understanding of how the night went from that. So I do, if people are getting really serious about sleep, investing in something like that can make a big, big difference. Cool. At Aura, it's O-U-R-A. Is that what yeah. you said? Yeah. O-U-R-A. I know it's a little counterintuitive, but <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. So then what about sleeping with the TV on? I don't do this anymore, This, but this used to be a habit that I did for years. Oh, sure. I know. I get, I have a lot of clients that just, they might even start with me saying like, I'm not getting rid of the TV. Uh, so <laughs> So there's a couple of schools of thought with CBTI, cognitive behavioral therapy, specifically for insomnia. Um, the approach is just no questions asked. There's no TV in the bedroom. Uh, there's, you know, no, um, no kind of mingling in the bedroom anytime beyond like sleep and sex is kind of meant to right. be the, the thinking. Um, and then, so for me, I do a bit more of, um, ACTI. So acceptance commitment therapy for insomnia. So it's a little less like strict. Um, and often it will help because I will work with a lot of, um, you know, even women who are single, uh, and you know, it's just like lonely and there's something comforting about that. Uh, it's yeah. not just for women, but I've just happened to say, like, I've noticed it quite a bit, um, with that group. And, um, so sometimes we'll kind of almost wean them off of the TV after a while, or it might start with like, timers that are set up to the TV to turn it off, um, yeah. automatically after a certain period of time, kind of like, you know, audible, will have a sleep timer. So in 90 minutes it will go off. So you can kind of have that for that period and then it's off. Um, so different ways along that. So, uh, from my approach, it's a little less like black or white and, um, and then we can work towards that, but ultimately, yes, we do want to work towards that. You have a uh, quiet, very dark, um, you know, sleep environment is what our ultimate goal is. Nice. Okay. Tell us about the sleep reset program and how our listeners might want to get involved in that. Yeah. So, um, so that's really exciting. Basically what we've been doing is running small group cohorts through that. And, uh, so everyone is required to wear an aura ring for the, um, for that one that has like the small group effect and like lots of accountability. Okay. And we do, um, kind of zoom calls to go over everyone's sleep stats. It's really interesting. Lots of kind of breakdowns and then also seeing how other people are faring. Um, all that's really interesting from that perspective. And then we're also launching, uh, later on in, basically in the new year, um, a kind of DIY version. So it doesn't necessarily have to mandate that you have a sleep tracker, but definitely highly recommended so that we can gamify all the results there. Cool. Uh, but so either way, um, you know, our commitment is that through that technology, accountability, and behavioral change, uh, we can help guide people to really learn the skill set of sleep. Um, and then lots of experiments and practicing around it over the, over the course of, uh, of the, of the sleep reset. And it's really, really exciting. Some of the changes that people experience. That's awesome. Well, I got on the wait list, so I'm very, I'm very interested. Very excited awesome. Yeah. Great. Um, Molly, where can people find you online? Uh, listen to your show, uh, get resources from you, et cetera. Uh, yes. So at sleepisaskill.com um, acts as a great kind of bucket for all the things. So essentially you can uh, one, go there uh, with the totally free. We have a downloadable PDF called the optimized bedroom. So it has low tech and high tech ways that you can um, oh, improve cool. your sleep environment. 
Uh, so there's that one. Then signing up for that or getting that also gets you our weekly newsletter. Um, if you couldn't tell, I'm a pretty obsessive personality in this topic of sleep. <laughs> so it's called Molly's Monday Obsessions. And it's just it. all that I'm you know, obsessing over in the world of sleep. Uh, which, you know, there's a lot of exciting, you know, kind of breakthroughs and tech and all kinds of stuff. So um, getting that, then we also have a sleep assessment if you're looking to get some information about your own personal sleep. Um, and then we can help uh, sort, you know, different options for you, whether it's one-on-one, -on -one, small group, or um, setting you up for that DIY course that's coming out. Cool. Sleepisaskill.com. All right. Yes. We have been talking with Molly McLaughlin and thank you so much for filling us in on that eight hours of sleep we want to elevate every day. Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate it. All right.